You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hello, everybody. We have a special guest today who I met in seventh grade. Yes. (laughs) Her name is Serena. The summer of Mbop. That's right. (laughs) That is our jam forever. We bonded over Hanson. It's true. And I still stand by Taylor being the best Hanson brother. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Lindsay here with us too. Hi. Hey, Lindsay. Um, So so we're going to kind of go into Serena's story, which is also an incredible story on so many different levels. I'm so grateful that you're here to share it. So um, let's start with your dad. So how did you kind of get introduced to postpartum depression? How did you even know what it was before you had kids? So my dad was an OBGYN um, and he he'd been practicing a, a really long time. He actually delivered me. I was the first baby he delivered, but he was in residency school. And so since it was his own baby, he was allowed to deliver me. We have eight kids in my family and he delivered me and then the sister right below me. Really? Yeah. And then all, and then there's three more that follow up her, but they were all supposed to be the last. So he was kind of helping my mom (laughs) on the other. So, and then he, and he delivered uh, my son, my oldest. And he's like, at that moment he was like, I feel really old. I'm like officially delivering a child of a child I delivered. Like, <laughs> it was like a big, anyways, but so he'd been an OB, you know, um, OBGYN for a lot of years. I worked for, I started working for him and I did basically every job that you didn't need a degree for in the office. I worked there for almost seven years. So you had heard about it. Oh yeah. You knew yeah. what it was. and Yeah. And it's the interesting thing I think about it is a lot of women were really ashamed to bring it up mm-hmm. because they felt like it was something wrong with them Mm -hmm. and so I think for me it was really nice to grow up hearing and seeing my dad be so sympathetic and loving and understanding and explaining like no this happens it's not you like Mm -hmm. your body's going through like so many hormonal changes and you know it's such I feel like especially that first one is such a shift in life like yeah for me my biggest adjustment was my second but for a lot of people like you're you know, that first one, like your whole life changes in an instant, you know, like (laughs) it's so it's, it's a, it's a crazy, just, I mean, not just, not just life adjustment, but hormonally, I don't think people or women don't even think about that. It's, you know, think about how up and down you are like with your cycle, yeah, like times that by like a hundred, you know, (laughs) after having a baby and 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 then the surge of love and, and, you know, and then protection and you're scared and, and no sleep and Mm -hmm. yeah, like you're figuring out a whole new life. And then your body is going through all these crazy changes. But yeah. for me, it was really interesting to learn that it was different for everybody. The way it presented itself. Like some people would come in and they'd be really like sad. I can't get out of bed or like I feel like the world's ending or I'm like scared of like like overcome of fear of like I'm going to die or my baby's going to die. Like um, some people would come in like fe- with just overwhelming fear of like I'm gonna fail or something's gonna happen to the baby some some people would come in like I just don't feel anything I'm numb like I don't care and then you know some people like I feel no connection to my baby or we had a lot I mean even some people like completely resenting their baby or their husband um but it's and he would explain to them it's not that you don't love your baby it's not that you don't love your husband it's just there's something chemically Mm -hmm. imbalanced there not right Mm -hmm. or it's not producing enough um my second one was when I had it really bad yeah let's get into that so how many kids do you have right now I have three kids three kids so you didn't get it with your first no my first one I didn't um I felt like it was a overall like really good experience my dad was my dad was my OBGYN um which most people think is really weird (laughs) but I'd worked for him for seven years I always knew I wanted him to deliver my baby um he, you can't trust anybody more than that, you know, oh, like yeah, there's right. their grandbaby. And my dad was just awesome. Like, Your dad I mean, was amazing. yeah, you met my yep. dad, you know, like mm-hmm. I still have people like, I mean, he's, he's, he passed away 10 years ago and I still have people, you know, remember him or say things about him. It's just, it's a really big, like 
honor in my life yeah. to be his daughter you know like mm -hmm. he just gave me a really good example so my oldest my, my dad was able to deliver him so it was a really good experience um it was my first time ever like not working um, my husband opened our first restaurant um location when my son was about two and then just a little bit after that i actually ended up getting really sick with gallbladder and it was it ended up being gallbladder disease instead of gallstones so it took him like a month and a half to diagnose it mm -hmm. and i went and saw um my friend's dad <laughs> who finally like he he just like kind of like poked around and he was like okay i can take you into surgery in the emergency room tonight or tomorrow morning and i was like i have a kid like i have a kid i have to figure it out like it, you know and my husband was gone all the time because he we had our first store so and when you open a restaurant like he was just working at 24 7 and still doing school for his business degree when my oldest was about two we got pregnant with my second um and I got pregnant about two weeks after having my gallbladder out. So I was <laughs> still, what? yeah, so I was still kind of recovering from surgery. Got pregnant with her, super excited because it'd taken us a while with our first. I have yeah. um, PCOS, oh, polycystic yeah. ovarian syndrome, so I have a harder time getting pregnant, um, which luckily, because my dad was an OB, I knew about really, really early. I, you know, like he'd suspected at the time I was like 17 that wow. that's. So I kind of knew going into marriage that it would be maybe a little harder to get pregnant. But with my daughter, I got pregnant like, immediately after like stopping birth control, which I didn't expect, but I think it just was kind of kismet. It happened when it needed to, because a week after I found out I was pregnant with her, uh, my dad was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. It, it, was, it was very, very, very fast. So it was uh, really hard because I was really, really close with him. So I'm going through having a baby, having a husband gone all the time, being sick all the time, recovering from surgery, and then w literally watching my dad die and waste away to nothing mm -hmm. in front and of and being eyes. able to share that experience of your pregnancy and everything with him through yeah. your first yeah and yeah not with the second exactly and so That'd for me so like it was very hard um because I was pregnant at the time and he was my doctor like and I'd always expected him to deliver you know like my baby so I still saw him up I was actually the very last patient he saw <laughs> and the last baby he delivered was my nephew how far along were you when I was he... I was 25 weeks oh when goodness. he passed away but yeah. I it really was actually the pregnancy itself was a, a really incredible experience because my husband was gone a lot so I just spent a lot of time with my parents so I felt like it, it wasn't as big of an adjustment with my first as with my second because I was spending so much time with them and then you know I was able to take care of my dad my mom was doing you know a lot of volunteer work around the area and so there were a lot of nights where it was just me and my dad and my two-year-olds and I got to like feed him and help him do his therapies and and think you know and things like that and you yeah. know there be there were a couple times that he fell and like with Lou Gehrig's your muscles atrophy your, your mind is still totally fully there but mm -hmm. your you know your body you just don't have the strength that just you're you know yeah. so um you know, there were times that I had to like pick him up or I would go and drive him home from work and stuff, but I wouldn't take those back for the world because yeah, it absolutely. was like such an incredible experience. But I feel like a lot of that fed into after I had my yes. daughter because it was kind of like make it through dad being sick. And then it was like, okay, make it through the end of the pregnancy. So like from the time my dad passed away to the time I had my daughter, my second child, it was like readjusting and his partner, I, you know, I fully trusted him, like loved him, you know, but I was really missing my dad as my doctor, like yeah. if that makes sense. And I'm I feel sure. like that sounds really selfish, but no, it doesn't. It was like, I, you know, it was just something I had kind of always planned on. Um, and I even like ended up changing her name. <laughs> we were going to name her Isabella. And then like two days before I had her, I um, was looking at a baby name book and I found the name Layla. And it's spelled with an I instead of O. So it's L-A-I-L-A. -L -A. And, and it's spelled that way because it's, it's a mythological, the angel that ushers the spirits from heaven to earth. Oh, and wow. so my dad always told me, like, as, you know, like, as the, when he knew that the end was coming, like, I'm, I'm still going to deliver her. It's just going to be a different way. Like, oh. I'm just going to be delivering her from the other side. Oh so that's gosh. literally what my daughter's name means. So um, it was. Perfect. And then after I had her, it was almost like losing my dad all over again in a totally yeah. different way. All the sentiments. Because of... it was suddenly like, okay, I've, you know, delivered her. She's fine. I'm fine. The delivery went well. And now I have this daughter who's never going to get to meet her grandpa. And he was just this amazing guy who was so excited that yeah. she was coming and that she was a girl because it had been so long since we, 
you know, it had been, you know, we'd had two girls and then a bunch of boys, like grandsons. And then she was the first granddaughter in like 10, 12 years, oh, something wow. like that. So he was really excited. And he was there for all the ultrasounds and everything. And um, so then it was almost like kind of starting the grief process over yeah. in a whole nother way. Did you, at what point? point was it just immediately that you felt like you had postpartum or when did you feel no, like... like I almost felt like I'm really weird like in the hospital like I almost get like this high after like having mm-hmm. the baby like it's yeah. just like oh my goodness like this is amazing after I had my third I like he was like 10 minutes old and I turned to my husband and I was like I want another new one right now this yeah. one's like <laughs> this one's too old now you know like so I actually really love newborns I feel like there was a lot of stuff not handled Mm-hmm. Well, everybody handles death or um, and watching somebody you love suffer like that. Like yeah. they all handle it differently. Mm-hmm. I have a very large family and we all handled it really differently. And we went from spending a lot of time together to spending very little time together. Yeah. Um, which just it, it just happens sometimes. Yep. And then my husband opened his second location of his restaurant when my daughter was only a week old. <laughs> Oh. And 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 I also still had major problems from having the gallbladder out. I was just sick twenty four seven, and they just they're like you just won't function normal without one, and that's fine. It's just like part of like life. I've gotten used to like how to handle it now, but it was so new then. I just got really like I actually ended up in the hospital um, at one point. I remember going and kind of walking outside. Um, and just sitting on a bench, like right in front of our house, just like staring, like at the street thinking like, I feel nothing like, and I I didn't realize that that's what it was because, you know, even though I have that experience, like look back on like where I had heard women talk about like so many women and so many women talk about their experiences with it and like their symptoms. I didn't even like think about it for me because I'd always been this like positive bubbly person, but I was going through a lot at the time and then for my husband you know he had a partner in the restaurant at the time but he was still in school and now they have two stores so he was leaving at seven in the morning not getting home till 11 and then doing classes till 3 Mm a.m and and I had been at my parents house like every day with my oldest and then suddenly it's like okay now this is the time that I'm like home alone with two of them that moment for me was a really big deal just kind of like the feeling nothing because I was always this kind of vivacious, excited, like happy, bubbly, like go get them type person. Um, And I I had no drive like to do anything. To me, I feel like that's the main reason why I wanted to have you on this is because you have seen so much of it, yet you didn't recognize it. Yeah, no, I didn't. And that's like for a long time. It it does like it to me. I feel like it is like kind of a demon. It like possesses your brain to the point where you think it's normal yeah you think it's who you are you don't even notice that it's weird because it's your normal oh yeah it becomes your new normal Mm -hmm. and you're like oh what happened to me I used to be this totally different person you know like and I just assumed it was like all the life changes because there was a lot you know my dad had died and I was sick all the time and my husband was gone Mm -hmm. even more than he'd been before and um so there was you know and there a lot of family changes as well like so I do feel like a lot of it was situational, but I also can like look and see that obviously it like lined up, but it took me, I would say a good like two years to finally like be like, yeah, this is like actual like deep depression and like really bad anxiety. Like, and what did you do at that point when you realized that? Well, so uh, my first anxiety, like mine, I started having a really bad anxiety, like really, really bad panic attacks. And only occasionally, and I'd never had anything like that before my dad died. And so I had no clue what was happening to me. It was just kind of like I would have these moments where it's like, I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. Did Mm -hmm. those start close after you said you you were sitting on the bench and you felt nothing? Like how soon after that experience? I would say within like probably two weeks. Oh, okay. Um, And the first time I was driving to my sister's house and it was maybe 20 minutes away and I didn't have my kids it was on like a Sunday afternoon I was going to help do like a piano song at, at my sister's house for my niece um, and that was when I had my first panic attack was driving over there and I had no clue what was happening to me it just suddenly I was shaking and I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was like I am gonna die on my way over here like I don't even know how I'm gonna make it um, 
And so I kind of just pulled over to the side and I was like already most of the way to her house. So I was like, what do I do? Do I like, and I didn't want to stress out my husband because I'm like, oh, once I get there, I'll be fine. I just Mm -hmm. need to take some deep breaths. And she wasn't even home. So I like really slowly put my hazards on, drove the rest of the way. And then I just like laid down on her living room floor and just broke down bawling. um, Like, cause I did not know what was happening to me. And then it just kind of passed. And I was just like, that was really weird. Um, and then another time it happened that, that I'd, I'd say probably a month after that, I ended up in the hospital because I was, I mean, my husband was even home and I just was sitting there and suddenly like, I could not, I couldn't even, th- I don't even think I could have like held my child safely. Like yeah. I couldn't think I couldn't feel anything. I was just kind of like pacing and rambling and trying to like take a cool cloth or like putting my head on the door to like cool it down. And like, I felt like I couldn't breathe and my like resting heart rate was at something like 130. Like I could mm. not get it, which, you know, like, I mean, that's like not that high when you're like running or but I was just sitting there and yeah. I could not get it to calm down. So we ended up going to the hospital and they couldn't give me really any answers because they could see that my, you know, heart yeah. rate was not slowing or calming even you know, the five hours I was in there. So it was basically just like, go home and rest. (laughs) So, um, and you had mentioned to me before, like after this point, you just like, didn't even want to go anywhere. Right. Like, yeah. Where did it go from here? So, yeah. So then at that point it, and I I was also really, really sick at the time, like, uh, running, like I'm talking like in the middle of meals, sometimes running into the bathroom, bathroom, like upwards of 30 times a day, like Mm -hmm. just from having my gallbladder out. So, I kind of started to develop this major fear of like driving and I was fine leaving the house. I wasn't like full agoraphobic, agoraphobic, sorry, like, but, um, driving for me, I think because it was my first panic attack was while I was driving. I was always nervous. Like, okay, what if I have to run into the bathroom while I'm driving somewhere or something? And I have a two year old, two and a half year old boy and like a, you know, like, young girl in a car seat and I have to like what run into like a gas station but like so it was just it was very very hard to even like think about it or handle it so I just stopped leaving and I got to the point where I could not I I couldn't even drive so my husband would you know every couple weeks try to get an afternoon off and he would just drive me to the library and I would check out like 30 books and that's how I handled it I would just like you know check them out and then renew them so I could have them for six weeks and I'd read through all of them and then I'd He'd drive me and he, he was absolutely amazing about it. Super supportive, like, you know, and it cannot in any way have been easy for him because he yeah. was, you know, running and opening new restaurants. Like, you know, we're up to, he has five locations now. And um, it just, it, it, he was absolutely, like, helpless. Like, we didn't know what was going on. And, you know, he did everything he could to help me. I didn't know how to help myself. And so it was kind of finally when it was like when I started my son in preschool. So he was, so at that point he was probably three and a half. um, And I had put him in a preschool that was like 10 minutes away and I couldn't do the drive. There was one day that I just, I I dropped him off. Okay. And I got home and just laid on the bed. Like I'm going to die, like shaking crying like I don't even know how I'm physically gonna go get him from school and I had to call I think a friend I don't remember like I honestly don't even remember but somebody like rode with me to go pick him up and I just checked him out because like even that 10 minute drive for school twice a week was just I couldn't do it yeah so at that point that's when I like was like this is not like this is like way far beyond normal I don't know how I let it get this far and I just had no drive to do anything I didn't care about anything like I mean I still loved my husband and kids but I had no desire to do anything in life and Um, you had not you had not seen a doctor or tried to get any help for what your symptoms were at this time I'd been to the hospital like I said that right that time um but they kind of really couldn't give me an answer so I, and I didn't have a doctor either because my dad had been my doctor. Um, I had never had a family practice doctor in my life. And most people, you know, have like their pediatrician that they've gone to forever and then a family practice doctor or like, or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe their family practice doctor is their pediatrician. So, so it took me a, a long time to find a doctor that I was really comfortable with. I, I have one now that I absolutely 
love. Um, he's incredible. Um, but I had tried, you know, numerous ones that other people had recommended to me. And so the first one um, that I went to was actually a resident and at a family practice clinic, like by the hospital, like kind of have residents like rotate in and out during the residency. And he's the one that diagnosed me. What did it take for you to get to him? Like to realize, okay, it's time. Like when did you, I mean, obviously when you realized you're like, I can't even go get my son at, at pre-K. Yeah. Do you feel like once you got to the doctor, like what took you to get there? I think about that. That like, time. You yeah. were just like, yeah. this is not okay. Yeah. Like, so I mean, did... and I'd seen doctors for things like sore throats or things like that, but never like, because I just felt like this is my new normal. Like mm-hmm. this yep. is like life with two kids and a husband who's gone and a dad's who's just, you know, my watching my dad die and I feel family. sick all the time. And then family issues. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like, well, this is what life is supposed to feel like when right. you're going through this many changes. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a really long time to be like, no, like, like it shouldn't be it that. shouldn't be this hard. Like mm-hmm. I should be like happy at least most of the time. Like I bet you that most people don't walk around feeling this way all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely know that most people can at least drive to the gas station, and get themselves a drink when they want to or something like yes. that, you know, like, yeah. and I couldn't do that. Like, and then when it got to the point where it's like, I can't even do that for my son to go to school. That's yeah. when it was like, no, like this needs to, and like needs to change. Do you feel like the doctor that you saw asked the right questions? Did you feel safe opening up to him that first appointment? Um, no, no. I mean, I knew that I needed the help and I'd worked in psych. And, and that's the crazy thing, too, is I'd worked in psych. Yeah. Like, so I feel like like looking back, I'm like, I should have recognized it years before you know, like it literally took two years. Like, I mean, I, I would say, you know, symptoms started showing, I'd say about six weeks after my daughter was born, maybe even a little sooner, but really doing something about it. Like, and then, and then the, and, and the like big panic attacks and then the like not caring and the numb and, mm-hmm. and all that just kind of started to get worse and worse and worse. Kind of just this downhill till I was kind of like, I feel like, I'm at the bottom of this hole and mm-hmm. I cannot even see the top. There's no possible way to climb out of this. Um, and you just feel so alone. <laughs> you feel yeah. like nobody's ever felt this way before. Nobody would understand how I'm feeling. Um, and I, I almost have like this f- like fault of like trusting doctors completely. Like, but they're people too. Like they make yeah. mistakes too. But like my dad just, he loved his job so much and he was so good at it. And I saw how much his patients loved him. And I saw how much, you know, he genuinely like cared and put into it that I just have this like innate trust for doctors that maybe I shouldn't obviously as much as I do, or I should at least like question it. But, and I do better now about that. But before it was like, if a doctor is telling me this, it's true, you know? Yeah. So I had, I had a couple neighbors just kind of like write it off as like, it's grief yeah. because they had known my dad. They'd seen what had happened. Um, so when I saw the first one that didn't really know me, didn't know my dad, like didn't know the story. Um, it was like super quick, like, like a 15 minute appointment. And basically he just was like, okay, you've got, you know, really bad depression and really bad anxiety. He's like, I would even call it like PTSD, like Mm -hmm. just from watching your dad die and stuff. Um, and it was like, here's, a prescription for Prozac come back in like six weeks and that's like kind of all it was and I went to a, a, a pharmacy down the street and the pharmacist was I, I remember like handing over the prescription like crying like oh. by myself like just like I need to get these filled you know and the pharmacist was like I felt like the pharmacist was more sympathetic and just so sweet and understanding about it even than the doctor was because you know he just saw me like breaking down and he was like are, are you okay is this like your first time ever mm-hmm. you know and I was like yeah this is my first time and he was like it's okay lots of people take the you know like yeah. I don't think you realize and the thing <laughs> is in my mind I knew like I knew how many people had taken but you're not you know, in your right mind there, but you're not in your right mind yeah. I but can how look awesome that he took that opportunity to comfort you he's and so tell amazing you. like I, he has been to like well he he, he switched to another pharmacy because that one closed and I officially like you drive. followed him. I followed him. I drive like 20 minutes out of the way to go to that pharmacy. Hey, when you got you're a driving. good one. Yeah. yeah. And you're driving. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Um, yeah. And he's just, and the tech there was absolutely incredible. They've ended up becoming like really good friends just Aww, from like, awesome. he was just so like 
so understanding and sympathetic and the staff there was always just super nice and um, absolutely incredible and and when I was trying to get pregnant with my third it was like a it took us about five years to get pregnant with my third um, and they just were all really supportive and also no you know when I finally did get pregnant um, we're gonna keep a watch on you you know yeah. we're here to watch and make sure because I had I, 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 so I tried Prozac originally, uh, had a horrible allergic reaction to it oh, no. and, that, and it made it like so much worse. So I did that for like three days and I tried calling that original office, that original doctor that I went to. And I was like, this is not working. Like I'm not like, I mean, I felt like I was like crawling out of my skin. I was itchy and red mm-hmm. and blotchy everywhere. It took him a week to call me back. Oh Oof. my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And I, and I like I was calling like every day like I really need to like either get in or talk to somebody because this is not normal like and and he never once suggested therapy um, which I thought was kind of interesting you know there's some that do and some that don't I guess I, I felt like he probably should have especially mm-hmm. seeing it been especially you know, seeing almost PTSD. two yeah two yeah. years later yeah yeah um, and then I ended up switching I got a suggestion from my sister-in-law at the time and she suggested the doctor that I'm still with like 10 years later now and he was amazing he walked in the room and literally I had never met this man in my life and he walked in the room and kind of had tears in his eyes already and just gave me the biggest hug and just was like I just want you to know I absolutely loved your dad he was an amazing person I had so much respect for him he's like and I know how much you're hurting and we're going to take care of you. Like, we're going to fix mm. this. Like, I'm here for you. Like, I love you. And I just want you to know, like, and for me, it's very comforting. Like, I guess just knowing people like remember because yeah. he was such a big influence. And on, you like, feel like he's there when you're there. I feel like he's there. So like for me to have somebody walk in and say, I loved your dad. He was very like such a good person. And I believe you because I had talked to other doctors who had been neighbors. Mm hmm. <laughs> and people There's I'd known enough. really well yeah. mm-hmm. and they just wrote it off like nothing and then this man who I'd never met before just immediately made you feel safe made me feel yeah. safe yeah. and comfortable and and believe me about my stomach because everybody else like was like well you had your gallbladder out like two years ago you shouldn't still be having stomach problems yeah. and this doctor was like um no because I have the same thing like what a miracle and so it was such a blessing and they had like an in-house therapist so it ended up even not costing um as much because they just charged it as like a regular doctor visit because that's a big problem for me that we could also talk about (laughs) i I could go off about that but i hate the coverage of mental health absolutely it's ridiculous i mean even working in the hospital and stuff like i mean insurance coverage for mental health is horrible i mean you're paying out of pocket most of the time they'll only cover 12 visits a year which means if your doctor wants to see you once a week which most of the time when you're first starting they want to see you once a week Mm -hmm. especially when you're starting a new medication um and so it just and it was nice being able to go there and being able to and it was a therapist who also had treated my a couple of my siblings and so it was nice not to have to like delve into absolutely everything because this therapist kind of knew like what we'd experienced as a family and with my dad and then I just didn't have to concentrate on that part as much I just yeah. could concentrate on me like and, yeah. and how I was feeling and how I could get better and um how many medications did I know a lot of women at least on the survey that we did said that they were scared to even try medications because they didn't want to have to go through several different ones to get to the right one and I had to go through several but I would do it all over again if it meant I feel the way I do now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, like, ahead of time, it's like, oh, I don't want to have oh, to Oh, it's so daunting. And, it like, is. the first one, like, Prozac, like, that first doctor that was the, the resident, mm-hmm. he just immediately, he's like, he's like, it's been around for a long time and it's worked for a lot of people. And that was his reasoning. And I was just like, okay. Like, you know, I'd never tried it before. And I'm like, so I had an allergic reaction to that. So I was really scared to try oh, yeah. anything. Um, I tried multiple. So the Prozac, I had a really bad reaction to. Um, and then I tried Wilbutrin for a while and that one I had a few side effects but they were worth it yeah um and then I've also tried Lexapro and I also tried um oh my gosh what's the one that starts with the Z I'm Zoloft Zoloft yes thank you (laughs) (laughs) um Lexapro and Zoloft were the two that worked best for me so I was on 
Lexapro um, after Layla. And then I stopped taking it when I was trying to get pregnant um, Mm -hmm. just because I knew it would probably up the chances, you know, after about two years of trying and we still hadn't, um, I ended up not taking it, which let's just state for the record coming off those things is hell. It's the worst. It's, it's the absolute worst. So I knew like going into it that I, (laughs) every time I like started a new one, it's just kind of like, okay, like here we go. Here we go. And I don't want to be on this forever. So I have to think about like, okay, is it worth starting it again? Cause it does help if I'm in like that deep, mm-hmm. deep part. But once I'm feeling okay, I kind of want to be back to myself. I want to see like, I like to see how I'm at, at like, you know, without the help, mm-hmm. like, and, and see if I'm progressing because yeah. that for me it personally just helps just seeing that I'm progressing. It doesn't even have to be a lot. Yeah. Like, when I started being able to just drive to Sonic during happy hour and get a Coke, that was a huge deal for me, yeah. which most people, they wouldn't even think about that. I think it's a big deal that you even tried to have another baby after that. Yeah. Like I know for me, I was like, yep, I'm done. done? Yeah. Shops closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- and I think for me, like I, I kind of knew what my triggers were now and I knew that it wasn't necessarily like, I think I always, even though I knew better, like it was like, I didn't dislike my husband. I didn't dislike my baby. I didn't dislike, you know, like I, I loved them all. And yeah. it, I, it's not like I even, I, I never had super sad thoughts. I never ever felt suicidal. Like it's not like I was like in movies, you just see them like laying in bed crying all the time or yeah. something like that. Yep. And to me, it was just numb. So it just felt a little different but like I'm like at least this time going into it I will know that those are the things to watch for yeah like so I felt like I had more experience and you had this going into the third one and I had this doctor who was absolutely amazing and this therapist and um you know tools not and and my dad not dying during this pregnancy you know like I you know he was gone already and I completely trusted his partner um that's who delivered my second and my third um, so you still kind of had it after this third, you know, obviously it's, it's been something I've constantly struggled with. Yeah. So, but do you feel like, at what point do you feel like it, you finally started feeling, I guess like a better outlook? Cause it kind of, for me, it was like, Oh my gosh, this is never going to stop. And then one day it was just like, I can handle this. Was it after it was, the third baby? No, it was like, it was before because I feel like I wouldn't have had the third baby if I hadn't have had mm-hmm. the good experience. Like if I hadn't have felt like there was like hope or that I yeah. was improving or doing better. But um, like having people telling me they noticed it like really helped a lot. And my husband, even now sometimes like because even now I have times where it's like I'll have a really bad day or a week. And like I said, I, I have PCOS, so my cycles are very like sometimes two weeks, sometimes six months. Like it's just very like off. And so I don't know. And so a lot of my symptoms come back, like, like my anxiety, especially with my cycle. And so I'll feel like I'm just this crazy person. And then I'll start and then I'll be like, Oh, okay. That's why, (laughs) you know, but I never know when it's going to happen. But my husband's always very, very, very good about, um, reminding me how far I've come because then when I'm having a bad day or a bad moment, I immediately go to that place where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm right back there. Like, and it's, it's going to be just as bad as before. And I have to constantly remind myself it's not going to be that bad. Like we just barely had that conversation on the way here. Yeah, really? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Oh, it just like, yeah. And I feel like when you've been in that dark of a place, which isn't necessarily, like I said, suicidal thoughts or things like it's just dark. It's, it's not you, it's not yourself. And you feel alone, even though you have more support than you think you just feel so alone. Mm -hmm. Um, that I feel like, at, at least for me, it, I have a constant fear of, of being back in that place. Mm-hmm. Me too. Which I think I can, like, you can turn around and turn into a healthy fear to a, to a point, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, because I feel like you're more aware of, of your experience. You're more aware of your triggers. You're more aware of, like, the situation. And you're more aware of, like, okay, like, this is exactly how it started happening last mm-hmm. time. So I feel like that helps a lot. Like the first time you're going through it, you're just like, uh, what is going on? Yeah. 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 Did you, at what point did you talk to people or tell people that you'd had it, that you have it? Have you shared it with anybody? um, Really? So I shared it with my, 
family after I had been diagnosed and kind of started the medication because they definitely, even though we weren't spending as much time together, they definitely noticed that I wasn't driving mm-hmm. places. Like it was like, okay, if, you know, you want to come and talk. I kind of need you to come to me. Yeah. Um, it was definitely easier to use the excuse. Of, like I have two kids. I don't really want to load them in the car. So um, I was never ashamed of it. It was just, I felt like it was my business and nobody else's. And I didn't really want to share it and until I I was ready to but then it got to the point where it felt like I was affecting other people just by having it just simply because I couldn't drive and I wasn't the same person and it was something I was working on mm-hmm. so like driving to meet you know a friend like I, I felt like I, it, it was shutting me off from other people. So it probably came across as me not caring about them or loving them anymore. Um, which wasn't the case. It was just, I could not get myself in the car to do it. So I'd make up excuses and I was legitimately horrifically sick most of the time, like living off of Zofran, like sick. (laughs) Um, and so it just, once it, once it got to that point too, even with medication, it, it still took a long time. Like I would say a year before I felt comfortable driving by myself Mm -hmm. i i I probably went i want to say seriously probably four or so years before i would drive on the freeway again and so um like my best friend from high school like my best friend liza um she's amazing she would drive down to me to come see me all the time or she would sometimes even come and pick me up in provo drive to salt lake and then drive me back to Provo and drive back to Salt Lake because she wow. knew that like she's just she's just been absolute. So like I said, I had people who absolutely like were supportive of it. But once I felt like it was affecting other people and I felt like I was hurting them by my actions, not intentionally, yeah. but just because I couldn't. That's when I started kind of telling people and not in extreme detail, like just um, like, hey, uh, you know, I, I have been diagnosed with anxiety and for some reason mine presents itself in driving. So, mm-hmm. and sometimes, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but for me too, if, if I'm having a bad anxiety or depression moment, whether it's, you know, a month, a week, six months, even a couple hours, I feel like I can't take in anything else. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like I can't even, You're I like, can't even mm-hmm. answer my phone call. Like I, I, I can't answer your texts or anything. Right. Like. I just need to shut myself off for a while because I can't take in anything else because I feel like, you know, you, I much. feel like you reach a tipping point, if that makes sense. And once you've had that for a while, you realize, or at least ho- you hopefully start to realize when you're reaching that tipping point. Yeah. Um, and so, and so there, there would definitely be times where I'd avoid like answering my phone or it would take me whether it was, you know, a couple hours or, um, like a couple days to text back. So the people that really mattered, like, you know, like my family and close friends and people like I, I definitely told them because I didn't want them to feel like I was shutting them out or that I didn't love them or didn't care or anything anymore. And did it feel good to like talk about it? Cause I know you kind of keep it inside, right? As long as you can, but like, does it feel good to share that story? Have you had friends that have had postpartum after you recognize you have it, that you've been able to support because of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, At the time, no, it did not feel good to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I was literally the first person in my family. Like I'm talking like extended family, cousins, um, aunts, like uh, that I, at least that I knew of that admitted to having any sort of mental health issues period wow um and i feel like they run pretty strongly in my family just in general like genetics and that's another thing that people don't realize genetics have a lot to do with it too oh yeah i mean you can if if you have a parent who has it you could be very predisposed to it Mm -hmm. um and so for me it was very scary and there were certain people like even family members who i felt very unsupported by um and that was okay like they had never dealt with it before just like i mean i had never dealt with it either i just more wanted them to know i'm not doing this to hurt you mm-hmm. and how however they took it or like that you know i don't feel like it was anybody's business to judge and i know there are still people hurt by it i mean i had 
people tell me, well, just don't have it anymore. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like, you, you, you're like, fine. That's just why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, literally, especially because mine, like, I had such a hard time driving, which seems like such a crazy thing. But that's just that's what it does. Like, that's just what it was mm-hmm. like. And I think part of it, like I said, was my first panic attack was while I was driving. And and so. I mean, I literally would have people say, well, just drive up to me. And I'd be like, well, no, I, I really can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, well, then just don't have anxiety about it. Don't be, don't stress about it. And I'm like, yeah, well, just really? take a deep breath. Okay. It's been like well, three that sounds years. Nice. Wouldn't that be so nice? Yeah. Why didn't somebody yeah. tell me this well, sooner? Yeah, if I had thought about that <laughs> like funny. three years ago, I would have saved myself <laughs> so much stress and money and time and heartache. And, you know, yeah. like, that's I the like thing is if you haven't had it, like you can't relate, yeah. you can't understand it. Absolutely. Like it's, I feel like it's very hard to be sympathetic until you've, um, well, uh, let me rephrase that. I feel like you can't be sympathetic towards it without having it because I worked in psych and I, I felt very sympathetic, especially when yeah, I saw like firsthand. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I saw people in the inpatient center, mm-hmm. very sympathetic. Um, but it's very hard to be empathetic to somebody until you've experienced that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. once you have and you and somebody reaches out to you or you notice they have it like they like you just I feel like you feel this immediate connection with them because mm-hmm. you're just like, yeah, we've been through hell and back <laughs> and we're I here. Totally agree. So like there's just this immediate like respect for each other. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I love like that we kind of ended with with ours is like I just want to anybody that's experienced anything that you've felt that you've expressed tonight, like, or even what you could go back and tell yourself, what would you say? Like, what message would you tell yourself? If you could go back to that girl, but six weeks when you started having those triggers, what would you say? That it's going to be okay. Even though it felt like it wasn't. And I felt like mine was really dragged out for a really long time. Um, But also like, I mean, I had, I've had a couple cousins call me that were diagnosed and, and siblings call and talk to me about it since then mm-hmm. that even though it was really hard to be the first one to like open up and like actually be like, Oh yeah, this like I've, it's officially like I've been diagnosed something mm-hmm. that like runs my life right now. And I don't always want it to be, I'm working on it. Um, so, but being able to give them advice, um, or even just say, Hey, you can, talk to me, call me in a hard moment. I will just be a listening ear. Cause sometimes that's all you need. Like I do. So it, that has been nice. Like now looking back, I'm glad that I talked about it. Like, but I also like, there are people still that don't even know that I experienced this and I'm, I'm much more open about it. But, um, when we were like, when you and I, Leslie had like kind of, I did your survey and I said, you know, I think this would make a great podcast. Like, yeah, by the um, way, this was Serena's idea. <laughs> you well, can I just thank feel her. Like, <laughs> I feel like uh, people are willing to be more open when you're not seeing their faces necessarily. And, yeah. and they feel like they're in a safe space. Um, but I just I feel like it's something that's really important to talk about and to open a dialogue. But it's very hard to do in the moment. And it's very hard to do if you don't personally know somebody who's done that. Um, and I share it. I'm, I very openly share it now with people who I feel safe with or who I feel might be reaching that point yeah. or have been there and I can kind of see them like, because I have like, for me, it, it's not like it just lasted those first couple of weeks and then I went on it and magically I'm better, you know, like it, it's, it, it will probably always be something I struggle with, especially yeah. the anxiety and especially like after my dad, like. I have a very irrational fear of death. Like, <laughs> I mean, if I yeah. like sleep on my neck wrong or something and I have like a shake or like my hand feels weak or tingly or something like, like I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have ALS. Like yeah. I just immediately go to like worse situation because That's I feel like witness. Yeah. Like yeah. watching somebody suffer or die, like it changes you. Um, but, and that's why, again, I think why I was able to ride it off for so long. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I hadn't have been through with, everything with my dad, I feel like I still probably would have had the postpartum depression and all that, but I would have recognized it way sooner because I wrote off so much of it just as grief Yeah, for a really long time. I would say this is probably about a year after I had my daughter. So my dad had been gone for about a year and a half. I had just the most vivid dream ever. Um, and it was, I was 
picking my dad up at his office and taking him to the hospital to deliver a baby in his car, just like the same way, like we'd always done. And I'm driving him like, and it was like, he came back so, so vividly to my mind. Like, I mean, his voice and like, just like, and, and he was like healthy and strong and like, you know, excited to be going in and delivering a baby. Like it just was exactly like the way I wanted to remember him. Um, and I, was driving and I parked in that parking spot and I just broke down to him crying, like saying, this isn't, I'm not me. Like I am not me anymore and I've lost myself and I'm never going to get it back. I'm never going to get myself back. Um, and he just turned and gave me a really big hug and he said, it's not going to last forever. Like you will get better, but it's going to be a long, long road and it might be something that comes back, but it won't be forever. And so whenever I think about things, like, what would I tell myself then? Like, I just need to tell myself to, like, remember that. Like, because that is, that is what I tell myself. Like, he told me, and maybe it was just my mind telling me through him and that dream what I needed to hear. And so for me, that's just what I tell myself. Like, it won't last forever. And there might be moments where it's dark again. Like, and it could be an hour. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be month you know however long it is like but there will be better moments Mm -hmm. but I just felt so dark and so lost and so alone that at that moment like I needed to hear it and the only person I feel like could have told it to me was my dad so I mean and that's what I still even tell myself now like because I still have bad moments like I feel like the depression's you know a lot better um but I still have really severe anxiety at times um and I I remind myself I I I woke up and I wrote down and I am not a journaler and I wrote down like the details so I'll like reread that um or just tell myself that that's what I tell myself this won't last forever yeah and you're not in it alone and 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 in the dream he also told me like you're not alone there are lots of people who know how you feel and I'm I'm watching you I'm watching out for you you're gonna end up okay it's gonna be pretty awful for a while but you're gonna end up okay and he you know, and that's what he told me. And then he's, and then he was like, well, but I have to go deliver this baby now. And I was like, no, I want like, and I, I was like bawling and I was like, I want more time with you. Like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. And he was just like, I'll still be there. Like, and so for me, like, like he's, and he said, like, I'll be there in the moments you really need me. And so I just like, at times like that, I'll like go and like reread, like from when I woke up and like, I mean, there's been times where I've totally forgotten about that. And then I'll kind of look back through the journal and be like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. I ever even had that dream. But that's, that's what I say to remind myself. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to last forever. I'm not alone and it's okay to talk about. I don't feel like it's something I need to necessarily shout from the rooftops. Um, Like I said earlier, there's people that know me really well that probably have no idea because I've gotten really, really good at hiding it. Um, But I'm also not embarrassed to share it. Like it's not something I'm ashamed of. And it's something I hope like usually when I'm telling people about it, it's because I maybe sense something in them. Like I sense like they need to hear this or maybe they need to know this about me for a reason or, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes like, yeah, you can kind of sense it in other people or you can kind of see it in another mom's eyes. Like sometimes you can just see that like dead mommy look. You, you, you know, yeah. you get this whole new set of like glasses. That yeah, you just, absolutely. Know, you see the world totally different. And you just connect with that like immediately your heart goes out to them. And it's just like, I mean, perfect strangers sometimes will see it. And I'm like, I just want to like give you a hug and say it's not going to be forever. Like, well, and even I mean, the first time we talked on the phone, we hadn't seen each other since eighth. No, well, I guess we did see each other. No, I mean, like, like a we couple were, like, times. Yeah, but, like and then we just been friends on social media. And then, yeah, what, two months ago you called me and we talked for like what forever i know like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah we bonded over this. i know i know and you just have a new tribe you have a new group of people that you just get it and i whenever anyone i know has a baby or is even pregnant i'm just i have a different i look at it different mm-hmm. you know yeah and it doesn't always like go away and stay like i mean postpartum depression can turn into just depression or mm-hmm. anxiety or ptsd because you know sometimes just going through that something that big and something that affects your personality or, or your mind or who you are to your core that much or for however long it changes you it does and hopefully 
you can be the you know a better person a stronger person because the work for it's really hard it's you know excruciating to work through it like i mean seeing talk opening up to somebody else about it talking about it admitting you need help um i felt like like i said i trust doctors almost maybe to a fault <laughs> some of them but um uh, even you know there were family members that I didn't feel safe talking to and then there were you know some that I should have felt so safe talking to but didn't I mean there's more people in that tribe than you think mm-hmm. there really is yeah I mean there's just so much help out there and if you don't want to go talk to a professional like I, I think you could talk to any mom and yep. they would understand it maybe too like some effect mm-hmm. I mean at least the like whole suddenly being at home with a baby and like you're just yeah home like your whole life totally has changed different. like even if they're not depressed it's it's a huge life change mm-hmm. you're I mean you're never you have the first baby you're a mom forever like it's like this instantaneous you know like responsibility and love and and it changes you it and so any mom I feel like can connect with that like mm-hmm. and I just those few that did and that were really helpful stand out in my mind so much that, that I want to be that person for other people yeah you know because I didn't have a lot of those Mm-hmm. But the few that that were very supportive and understanding and completely there and um, they completely changed it for me. And so I would like to be the person that helps change that for somebody else or at least let them know you're not alone. It'll get and it will get better. It's going to really, really suck for a while. Yeah. And it might even get way harder than it is right now, but it will get better. But you'd also have to put in the work for it, too. You, you know? Yeah. Like, you have to recognize it, it you away. have to admit it, and you have to work towards it because it's not going to just go away on, on, by itself. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, for me, like, when you say that you want to be that person for other people, like, just the fact that, you guys, this podcast studio, the Stone Sheba that we're recording out of is actually Serena and Matt's studio. <laughs> um, and so, just by you guys giving us this space to yeah. use and being comfortable sharing your story is vulnerable. You've been very vulnerable. Oh, so just like just that alone, allowing us to have a space to give women a voice and a safe space and just feeling like we've got some serious power behind us here Oh yeah, with you guys, like you and Matt. I just, oh, thank you. I don't know. That's this, this project is bigger than just us. Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. And you guys are, a huge part of that so oh, i can't you. thank you enough for oh, that of course yeah and i'm happy to come back anytime mm-hmm. <laughs> she'll be our guest host sometimes oh, yeah i'll come guest host <laughs> <laughs> anything else this has been wonderful thank you so oh, much for sharing course. your story with us oh, and for letting us use your studio oh mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. very grateful yep. that's what it's here for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.